If you have your Bibles tonight, you're in 1 Peter. 1 Peter, you're in chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I've entitled this evening's message, Check Your Attitude. Some of you need your attitudes checked, right? And so, well, thank you, Brother Mike. We always enjoy coming on Wednesdays because we know we're going to have an encouraging word from you. Well, we do need to have our attitudes checked. If you have children, I'm sure you have used that phrase many times over. Amen. Yeah? Okay, thank you. I, I know. And if since we're in church and we're going to be truthful, right? Many of us probably needed to be told we need to check our attitudes. There are some honest here. The rest of y'all need to repent and get right with God. Don't we all have attitudes that need to be checked from time to time? I mean, I, I'm, I identify with that, and, and I know. And I, and, and I said, you know, I said, Lord, I know my attitude is not what it should be. Well, having said all of that, and this passage that we're going to look at tonight, that is not necessarily what he's talking about, even though it can be. What we're going to find in this passage is that uh, uh, Peter, is, of course, he's writing to the church. Now, this is a church, of course, they're uh, persecuted, they're, they're suffering. It was, a, it was a letter that he was wanting to encourage them. But also, now we've come to this part of the letter, he, he's trying to uh, remind them that they needed to check their attitudes, and there's four attitudes that uh, Peter spells out here for us. The first attitude that we're going to see is found in verses 1 through 3. And it's the attitude uh, of a warrior. We must have a warrior's attitude. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, we mean that we are to have a warrior's attitude towards sin. Okay? That's what Peter's talking about. So... Uh, in verse number 1, listen to what the Bible says. It says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Okay? You see the, the, uh, the military uh, terminology here. He says, we are to arm ourselves. Now, why are we arming ourselves? Because we are going into a battle. You do understand tonight that we're in a spiritual battle. And, and if we're going to be able to be victorious in this battle, we got to arm ourselves, right? we got to arm ourselves with the right weapons. And so here it says, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, okay, attitude, perspective, how you're looking at things. It makes all the difference in the world, does it not? When you have the right attitude as you're going into a war. And we got to have the, uh, the perspective of that this war is going to be won. By the way, it's already been won. Christ took care of that on Calvary's cross. But we have these little skirmishes and these battles that we've got to continue to fight. But i got good news for you. Uh, he's already taking care of that as well. Yep. 
But we have to do our part. What, what have we got to do? we got to have a warrior's attitude towards sin. He says, For he that hath suffered in the flesh has him has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time. Now, Peter is reminding them that we all, every one of us, has a certain amount of time. Now, we don't know when our time is up down here, right? None of us know when our time is up, but you can go ahead and count on it. There is coming a time when your time will be up, okay? And so, what we are doing, we are fighting this battle. We are fighting it, and we're arming ourselves with the proper attitude, the right attitude, a warrior's attitude towards what? Towards sin. And so I want to, the rest of my time that I have, I want that to be victorious. I want to be victorious in the rest of the time I have down here. And also, uh, having said all that, the rest of the time that I have available to me, I want to bring glory and honor into the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be every one of our attitudes in here tonight, that we should have the attitude that I want to be a warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to have an attitude that I'm going to do everything I can to live a holy and a pure life for the glory of God. And so he goes on. He said, the rest of this time, in the flesh, to the lust of men, but to the will of God. He says, now, uh, this time that I have left, I'm going to have the right attitude that I don't want my will to be done, but I want to be able to say that I'm in God's will. Do you would agree there at the night? The best place for every one of us here is to be right in the middle of God's will. And then what is God's will? It's God's will that you live a holy and separated life. There should be no question of where we stand in this battle. We need to understand who the enemy is. The enemy is Satan, his demonic forces. The, the enemy is our flesh. The enemy is that old man that wants to keep on coming up. And so he says, I want to live the rest of my day doing the will of God. For the time past of our life, of our life may suffice us to have raw the will of the Gentiles when we walk in lasciviousness and lust, excess of wine, revelings, and banquings, and abominable idolatries. Now, we'll move on, but the first attitude is a warrior's attitude. What is the attitude that I want to do everything I can to fight sin and to stay out of sin and to live for the cause of Jesus Christ and to bring glory to His name? Now, watch this. How do we go about doing that? First of all, the problem with many of us is that we've gotten so accustomed and comfortable with sin that we're not, we do not realize we're in sin. Illustration. 
If, you, if we turn the lights off, and if we were to walk into this dark room, we would say things, I can't see a thing in here. You know, and oh, I, I do that from time to time uh, during the week. I'll, I'll, I'll come into the sanctuary here and uh, the lights are off and it's dark. And so what do I do? Uh, I just kind of feel my way through. Uh, but it's a surprising to me. The longer I stay in the darkness, my eyes start to adjust. And what do they adjust to? They adjust to the darkness. It's still dark in here. It, it, I mean, I didn't turn the lights on yet. But it, it, when you come into a dark room, your eyes eventually get accustomed to being in the darkness. And that's where many of us, if we're not careful, will find ourselves. We're in darkness, but we not recognize it because we've gotten so accustomed to it. Now, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. And we're seeing it in many of our churches. We have lessened our standards. We don't talk a lot about holiness because we don't want to be identified with that group, you know, the ones that flop around and roll in the floor and all of that. But the Bible tells us that is what we're... The Bible tells us, God tells us, Be ye holy as I am holy. And so we get accustomed to it. Now, so how do we, how, how do we get in the mindset, if you will, how do we get a point in our spiritual walk that we recognize that we're getting too accustomed and too comfortable with sin? There are three things that he lays out for us. First of all, he says uh, that we are to recognize what sin did to Christ. What sin, your sin and my sin, not his sin because he's sinless. He knew no sin. We're not talking, we're talking about our sin made him suffer for us. It was your sin, it was my sin that, that put him on the cross. Now we can go ahead and we can blame the Romans, we can blame the Jews and, and all of that. And I know they did the actual, the physical, but what really put him on the cross was your sin and my sin. That's what put him on the cross. That's the reason why he died. He died because of our sin. And so when we have this mindset that I want to have a warrior attitude, I don't want to be, I don't want to find myself sinning. I don't want to get accustomed to sin. I don't want to get comfortable with sin. First of all, we have to understand what it cost Jesus Christ. And we see in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verse number 18, it says, And Christ also suffered for us. But notice here, he says, cease to sin. What is he talking about here? Well, understand, uh, he, uh, because of his suffering, there will be a time when we will cease to sin. Now, that's not down here. As long as we're down here, we're going to sin. We see it in Romans chapter 6. Going into Romans chapter 7. 
Paul is reminding us at the last part of Romans chapter 7, he is asking a question. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Now, he's not talking about the power of sin. That was taken care of when Jesus died on the cross. We're not talking about the power of sin. Jesus took care of that when he rose in victory, is it not? And so we understand he's not talking about who's going to deliver him from power. You've already been delivered from the power of sin. You no longer, the sin no longer has dominion over you. Sin no longer has to master you. You have a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what Jesus Christ did for you, you now, the penalty that you were to pay has been canceled out. It's been wiped clean. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did for you. But also, we're no longer a slave to sin. I don't know about you, but even on a Wednesday That ought to stir somebody up. Do you understand? We have been delivered from the penalty and no longer to sin. We're no longer in chains. We're no longer bound. We have freedom. We've been set free because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so he says that you will be free from sin when the presence of sin is no longer. And the presence of sin will be no longer when you leave this world, either by the rapture or by the grave. That ought to encourage somebody tonight. There's coming a day when we won't have to battle with sin anymore. Isn't that wonderful thought? You no longer have to struggle. We'll no longer have those strong... You will no longer have to say, Lord, have you forgotten me? Because I'm in the middle of this storm. I'm in the middle of some stuff that I didn't realize I was going to have to go through. But glory to God, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we will be delivered one sweet, glorious day from all of that. And then he goes on. And we see in verse number 2, he says, Now there's a, there's oh, the lust, and he talks about, in other words, he's talking about the will of man and the will of God. He says, we need to be reminded that we are to be carrying out the will of God. See, this thing is not about me. This thing is not about you. This thing's not about what I like or what I think I need to do. This thing is about what does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? What is God's agenda for me? What is God's plan for my life? And we have to really struggle with that, do we not? I mean, we all want to say, well, this is what I think I ought to do. And, and we could be in good intentions with that. But that's not what it's about. We are to be doing the will of God. And so if we're going to have a warrior attitude doing the will of God, what, do, what is the will of God? We hear that question all the time. What's the will of God? I'm trying to find the will of God. I'm telling you, you get into the Word of God. The Word of God will show you God's will for your life. And by the way, if we just do what we know to do, 
the rest of it will fall right into place. And so he, he says, doing the will of God. That means he wants me to live a holy, separated life. He wants me to detest sin. We've lost sight of that. How do you mean? Well, when we talk about our entertainment that we go to, we would say things like, well, I, I'm going to stay away from that because I'm just not going to do that. Now we'll say things like this. Hey, you ought to go see this movie that just came out. It's a good movie. And, it, and the language is not that bad. You ever heard anybody talk about that? Talk about going to a movie? and You ask them about the movie and say, well, look, there's a couple places in there you might be offended my dear friend, if there's even one place that would be offensive to a believer, we shouldn't be participating in it. Why? Because we want to be holy and separated. That doesn't mean we go and find us a cave and hide out in a cave and be isolating ourselves because the Bible is quite clear. Jesus himself says, ah, you're, not, uh, uh, you're not of the world, but I'm leaving you in the world. Why did he leave us down here? So that we could transform those that are lost. That we, and when I'm speaking we, you understand. I, I mean, you know my heart here. I'm talking about the power of God working in somebody's life. I'm not saying that. That we have that power. Why would you think I would say something like it? Uh, see, remember, it's my eyes that are bad, my hearing. I've already heard some of you say, "What he's, he's talking about? We got, we can do this." I'm not saying that. God can do it, but He uses us many times over. Right? That's why we're here. We here. We are here to be salt. We're here uh, to, uh, to impact the world, not the world impacting us. Okay? And so he, he says, oh, and we understand, he said, now here's the rest of my time. The rest of my time is to be doing and living in the will of God. Now, understand, in Psalms 33, uh, it says the will of God comes from his heart. Right? The will of God comes out of his heart. Our hearts are deceitful. Right? Now I've heard some people say, well, just follow your heart. You might want to check that. Because your heart can lead you in some places you don't need to go. But you should can follow God's heart. You're going to be all right. Follow God's heart. What is God's heartbeat? God's heartbeat is that we are a peculiar people. Now, I'm not saying we've got to be weird and all that kind of stuff like that. But what's happened is, let's go back. We've been in the dark so long that we've gotten accustomed to it. There should be no questions where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ into a lost and dying world. Amen. Now, uh, having said all that, oh, see, uh, he tells us in verse number 3 that you need to be reminded of what you were before you met Christ. Remember, he uses the word past. Now, got to be careful with this one. 
Now, why would we need to be careful? We need to be careful because you can go into your past and you can stay too long. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking uh, in, in a negative way. Here, here's what's happening. You've got to be careful. You go and revisit your past and you think about all the wickedness that you've done. You think of the depravity that you've done. And if you're not careful, Satan comes in and starts telling you things like, look what you've done. Now guilt starts to come in. Shame starts to come in. Now in and itself, that's a good thing. But if you stay too long, then Satan's going to convince you that there's no really any change in your life anyway. And why do you go ahead and mess around? You know, you're nothing but a hypocrite. You're nothing but a liar. And if those people down there at that church knew about you, they'd kick you out of that church. And so what happens now? He, now, listen, now, you're a believer. He can't possess you, but he sure can hinder you and oppress you. He can spiritually cripple you. To where you're going around and you're saying, you know what? I know they've asked me to teach this class, but I'm not worthy to teach that class. And, 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 you know, they've asked me to do this, and I can't do that because, uh, here again, that guilt starts to come up. And it says, well, how do we, first and foremost, if you confessed your sins, it's not God reminding you of your guilt. If you confessed your sins, Right? If you confess your sins, He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So it's not God reminding you of your past. It's Satan. And if He can keep you in your negative past, then He spiritually immobilizes you and you're not able to do what you ought to be doing for the cause of Jesus Christ. But then there's times it's good to visit because sometimes we have forgotten where we've come from. We've become a little more spiritual than everybody else. We start going around and saying, now we're not going to say it with our lips, but in our hearts we're saying, you know what? Brother Jim, if you were more like me, we'd get some things done around here. We get a little prideful and get a little arrogant. We start getting a little strut going on. And what happens then is that we become Pharisees. Got our nose stuck up. You little wannabes, you're a little inferior than I am. And I just want you to know I have arrived. My dear friend, none of us have arrived. And if we have arrived, it wasn't because of what you did. It's all because of the grace and mercy and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, none of us, none of us have anything to boast about. And if you're going to boast about something, boast about the cross. Okay? And so we see here, uh, the second thing, look at verses 4 through 6. And 4 through 6, we see that we are to have an attitude of patience. An attitude of patience. Now, we're picking up in verse number 4. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, we're in. They think it's strange. Anybody thought you strange? Well, if they hadn't, I'm telling you. 
Y'all some weird ducks, okay? I said, I was kidding y'all, okay? Some of y'all took it a little personal there. He says, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them. <laughs> I can't help but laugh on this one. It's talking about your conversion. And it's talking about you're no longer running with that old crowd that you used to run with. And they're thinking, well, he is. What's happened to him? And he says, and not with them in the same excess of riot. That talks about, uh, you know, depravity. They're talking about the sinful lifestyle and all that. And, and speaking, uh, speaking evil of you. Who shall give according to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For, uh, it says, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged accordingly uh, to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now, what's he talking about here? He says that we are to be patient. We ought to have an attitude of patience. Patience to what? Patience to those who are lost. Okay, now, here we go. This lost crowd not only acts different, but they think different. Okay? Remember, there should be a distinction between the two. And here's what he's saying. He says, they're going around and saying, because you are trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and because you're being a witness, and because you're doing the things uh, that you're doing for the cause of Jesus Christ, this crowd over here is looking at you and saying, man, you're a weird duck. You're strange. Now, think like a lost person now. Okay, you go into work, your co-worker comes to you and says, oh man, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it anymore with my wife. As a matter of fact, I think this marriage is down the tubes. I mean, it, I mean it's, just, it's just nuts. And he, he says, I know it's my fault. I, I know I, I, I've cheated on her. She hasn't forgiven me over that and I, I, I think it's, this thing's going to be tanked. And so the old boy that you're talking to, man, he says, yeah, man, I understand where you're talking about. I'm kind of going through the same situation myself. But you know what? We'll get over it. Now, to uh, that old boy that came in and said, you know, my marriage is in the tank. I've cheated on my wife. A month later, he comes back to that old boy. He says, hey, man, he says, you remember a month ago when I talked to you about my marriage going down the tubes? He says, yeah, how's that working out for you, bro? He says, man, you ain't going to believe this. But my neighbor invited me to church and my wife, and I don't know why we did it, but we decided to go to church. Went to church, and I got this strange feeling. Preacher started preaching, and I thought, man, he... I've never met this man before, but he's talking, he's giving, he, he's telling my story. And he says, uh, he gave this invitation. He says, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, he says, I never felt this before, but I thought, man, I need to go down there. 
And he says, I went down there and he says, you're not going to believe this, bro. He says, what? He says, I got saved. He says, what? He says, I got saved. My wife got saved. I said, man, my marriage, it's been the best. She's forgiven me. And he says, I'm telling you, I can't, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I mean, we're, we're going to church and uh, we're enjoying going to church and we're reading our Bible and, and he's going on and on. He said, man, you've got to, you, you need to come to church with me. And he, here's what a lost man looking. He said, dude, you're crazy. Am I not telling you the truth? Now, why is that? Because lost people think differently than saved folk. But yet, notice, they won't call you crazy when you come in and uh, you, you, you're, you're destroying your body and your, your, your life is going down the tube and you're, you're, you're bankrupt and, and all that. They don't think you're crazy and they think you're just kind of normal. Hey, man, that's just the way it is. That's just sometimes how it happens. But yet when somebody gets saved and starts doing something for the cause of Jesus Christ, they'll say they're weird, they're fanatical, they're radical. Oh man, they got religion. Why is that? Well, the reason why is because the lost man thinks different than the saved man. In Acts chapter 26 verse 24, Festus came to Paul. I'm paraphrasing here. Of course, Paul, everybody knew about Paul. Paul was, a, uh, uh, was persecuting the church. He hated Christians and he was doing everything he can to make, uh, uh, for them to die and, and all that. And words getting out. And then Paul got saved and Paul couldn't shut up about the, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he, he, he's so radical that he knows that if he doesn't shut up, he's going to get in, thrown in jail. What does he do? He just keeps on preaching and Festus said to Paul you've lost your mind why is that safe folk and lost folk are two different kinds of folk the lost world when they see somebody come and get saved think they're nuts why because they're spiritually blind and they're spiritually dead. Doesn't make any sense to them. But notice how it's crept into the church. Now watch this. Somebody's just doing what they ought to be doing as a believer. They're, they're going out and on visitation night. They're, they're so winning. Everywhere they go, they're telling somebody about Jesus. and They're reading their Bible and they don't miss a service. And, you know, here's, here, watch this. We start looking around thinking, hmm, they'll make a good Sunday school teacher. Now, why do we come up with that? They're doing what they ought to be doing as believers. But yet... We're thinking they've raised the standards when they're only doing the standards that have already been set. Are y'all seeing where I'm going with this? When somebody is just doing what you ought to be doing as a believer, the next thing we're doing is they've got to be called of God. They're going to make a preacher one day. They're just doing what they ought to be doing. What is wrong with us, church? 
Just somebody that's doing what you ought to be doing. Next thing we know, we're saying they're called of God. Why is that? Because we've been living in the darkness so long, we got accustomed to the darkness. And we've rated and lowered the standards where we ought to be saying, you know what, they're just doing what they ought to be doing as a believer. Is anybody getting this? Am I, I'm, I'm getting through to you on that. It, it made sense to me, okay? Uh, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, then we see not only does he talk about patience, we've lost Now, understanding, we've we got to be patient with them is because we've lost people. They just don't know better. They just don't know. But here's where I struggle. Those that know, those that know, we got to have patience with them too. It's getting quiet in here. Y'all see where I'm going with all this? We got to, we'll say things like, they ought to have known better. What, what, what's wrong with them? They've been sitting on preaching. They've been in Sunday school class. What's wrong with them? Be careful how we size people up. Everybody matures differently. And just because you've matured in your faith, don't think that everybody ought to be up there with you. It may take some a little bit longer. But the reason why many times it takes them a little bit longer is because those of us who have matured in our faith are not willing to invest in them. And spend time with them. Now, very quickly, I got, I got. Well, I got to get my watch. Oh, man, we need. Okay, we're going to have to pick up next week. Okay, but but here, here here's the two other things very quickly. We're, we're going to have to see also. So we have an attitude, a warrior attitude. We have a, an attitude of patience. We're also going to have to have an attitude of expecting. And then we're going to have to have an attitude of a fervent love. We're going to pick up with that next Wednesday night. Okay, everybody good? Do you see where we're going with this? Do you see that if we're going to be what we are called to be, we got to have the right attitudes? I don't want to, I want to do everything I can to stay away from sin. I don't want to take any chances. I, 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 I'm, I'm mindful what my sin, what it cost my Jesus. I understand that it's not my will, it's, it's God's will. And I want to do what God's will. And God's will is for me to be holy and separated and a peculiar people Amen. with the right attitude. Yep. Right attitudes. Here again, don't go around and be so self-righteous. You gotta have a, we gotta be humbled in our attitudes, humbled in our spirits. And then we're gonna look at the next two uh, next Wednesday night.